gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe, is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And we want to talk a little bit about discernment, and we've talked about that different ways at different times throughout the life of this podcast, but kind of wanted to focus on maybe some different things we haven't focused on as much. I think with the with the internet, there's been an increase in like discernment ministries, and um, I think maybe people, you know, quote unquote, doing discernment, and I think we've kind of lost sight sometimes of what it really means and maybe how it should look mm-hmm. in our in our everyday life. Um, I looked up a bunch of dictionary stuff because I always I always find that really helpful, and I, I'm going to read read a few of those and then get kind of Rachel's thoughts, but um, some different definitions I heard it, in a secular dictionary, the, it said the ability to judge well. And then it said in Christian context, perception in the absence of judgment with a view to obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding, which I think that's helpful because we do believe there's kind of a spiritual aspect to it. And then the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure and the ability to obtain sharp perceptions or to judge well. I thought all those were really helpful. What do you what do you think of Rachel when you think of discernment? I think it goes along with wisdom, with um I guess insight as well, too, is kind of part of it. Like you um I think wisdom is a large part of it in, in thinking about it in, in the in the sense of Christianity and and the scriptures. It's knowing um the scriptures well, knowing doctrine well, and understanding uh, so that you um can compare what you what you what you read or hear to what scripture says. Um that's usually what I think of with discernment. Yeah, I I was thinking that sometimes I think it 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 may be used as an excuse for, you know, one of the things we've talked about is how many things in life would kind of navigate with wisdom. They aren't black and white things um, where I think sometimes people will put that, put some of those things under the, the banner of discernment. We, we mm-hmm. have so many things in maybe different churches or different circles will pe- where people make these black and white proclamations on things that are just not, you know, black, black and white. Mm-hmm. And I think I was trying to think back to when I was growing up, we didn't, the internet wasn't like it is now. It was, it was barely <laughs> out there. And I, I do think. Things were quieter then. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was 
thinking, how did I think of discernment back then compared to kind of what it's become? Now you have discernment bloggers and and some of these these things out there. I think there's people on the internet that seem to think they've got the discernment keys or or they're they're the gatekeepers of discernment on the internet have to make sure to go and correct anyone who may be slightly wrong. And I think one of the things that's happened because of the the internet, we'll get into this later, but I'll briefly mention it now. One of the things that's happened is sometimes those secondary issues or things that should be a matter of Christian liberty are elevated uh, as if they are the most important things. Um, somebody might like homeschooling. Homeschooling is the only way, you know, things like that. And Rachel and I both home, homeschool, homeschooled. So, mm-hmm. but there's, you know, some of these things that that people put out there. Um, and I'd say that goes in, you can pick any topic and find people uh, or practically any topic and find people that it's on opposite sides of it um, and are equally convinced that there's just the only right way and the other people are completely wrong. Um, it, you think about homeschooling, we were told uh, in one area that we had we had to put our kids in private in public school because otherwise we were um, not being salt and light and we weren't engaging the culture. Um and I've had friends who were told um, by their church that they needed to put their kids in the, sc- the church-run Christian schools. And that was the the right and proper way to do it. And it's just amazing to me how we can take anything and make it uh, make it an essential. Yeah, and I've on almost any kind of issue that's out there, I'll see I'll see that on both sides, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I just think we have to be extremely, extremely careful. I, I wanted to mention that I think discernment isn't, we think of it in spiritual terms, but it, it also, you know, has um, secular, I guess, meanings and and other ways in which we are discerning. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think of those definitions that... The, the ability to judge well. I, I like that. Um, mm-hmm. And how many times just through life do we kind of need that ability to judge well, uh, to look at a situation or to look at a view? I actually had learned something from a non-Christian friend. So, I was looking through these definitions. I thought, oh, that, that describes this friend of mine. And he really taught me something. Anytime there is some controversy that's going on, there's there's so many different controversies, but I'll, I'll give an example of something that he did this with. There's a big debate in kind of science communities about nuclear energy, okay? And you've got people strongly for it, strongly against it. I, I've read a lot about it and I, can't, I have zero opinion on it, but he he went and listened to people on both sides of it. He went and found research on both sides. And so what he does is he takes any issue like that that might be controversial and he will he will judge well. Um, he will, better than anyone I know, go to somebody that he's pretty sure he disagrees with and say, hey, give me your best argument. I really want to hear you out. And... I think one of the things that's happened, especially because of the internet, and we've seen this in even the Facebook group, where there's sometimes personalities where we may be biased towards one way or the other, but not really judging well, but falling in with a group of people you like. Like I once saw somebody that was a Baptist that thought she was convinced of infant baptism through a Facebook post. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, as much as I'd like you to believe it, and it's what I believe, you need to take time. And I, I don't think it's being discerning or wise to quickly come to a position. Mm-hmm. We want to take, take time. I mean, and so much, I mean, every single 
every single day and go on social media and find out the controversy of the hour. <laughs> and it's easy. You know, I've cut myself doing this, something I might not know that much about it might be a church thing. It could be just some cultural or political thing. And I probably automatically tend towards one view or the other, but to say to myself, okay, I don't really know a lot about this. I'm not really judging well. I'm just trusting maybe this person over here. Um, there's there's a Proverbs. I didn't write it down, but it talk, talks about being fool. Don't be hasty. Like that's foolish. Mm-hmm. And I think of that where we should we should take our time. If there's some sort of controversy, we don't need to pick a side right away. Even mm-hmm. if most of the people we agree with have, have chosen. So I think it's actually in being discerning and judging well, I think taking our time to really understand something and um, maybe looking at both sides. Yeah. Um, I was thinking too about how uh, discernment gets used and how the word gets used. And you're thinking about, you mentioned, you know, what, what you thought of discernment pre-internet. Um, I know that sometimes it is used uh, in a pejorative way to dismiss what someone says. Oh, that's just a discernment blogger, right? Um, I know there are things that I've written and had that, and I wouldn't classify myself classify myself um, as discernment blogger. That's not particularly uh, a, a label or an approach that I've sought. Um, or tried to take on, but um, so I've heard it used that way lo- along the same lines of like um, you're just a feminist, you're just liberal, whatever the 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 slam dunks people use. Um, I think it's important when we're talking about discernment uh, to understand what someone means and how it's being used, and and truthfully what we mean by it when we use it. Uh, so I'm I'm glad that we're having this discussion. You know, I think there's a very practical um, example of discernment in a, in a topic that you took on, mm-hmm. and that would have been the, the ESS stuff, where you really dug in and you looked at what was right according to scripture, and you found examples where it wasn't correct. And um, I, think, I think that's just a, a perfect example of mm-hmm. what it might look like. It looks you know, different ways in, in different situations, but because you dug in, because you're being discerning, you saw the seriousness of the error. I mean, you're one of the Mm -hmm. first people to, to start blogging about it, talking about it. You know, I think that that does have a lot to do with, with the approach. I know we're going to talk about this a little more as we get into it. Um, But also in our, uh, our goals, in in what we do and what we say, um, whether we are, you know, looking for that kind of slam dunk, we're scoring a point for our side um, versus upholding the truth and and wanting to be, uh, you know, gracious in our understanding and and helping others and protecting others um, from serious error or danger. Uh, I think there is a something to be said about motivation. Yeah. And I think you just hit the nail on the head too, when you're where I think a lot of the stuff you see, like these so-called hot take discernment tweets or Mm. things like that, where it, it does come across sometimes more like I'm trying to get a point for my team. I think that was a, a good way to, to point that out. I was trying to I don't remember who I had the conversation with. It could have been you and I talking. Um, has anyone ever changed their mind because of an internet post? And that like really changed their mind because of something someone said, argued with them on the internet. And that's a good question. Has anyone ever, have you ever changed your mind because of an internet argument? Not, not information you read on the internet, but right. one of the hot topic debates with, a, with the hot takes, has that ever changed your mind on a topic? Um, I don't know that it has changed mine. <laughs> right. Especially when it's, when it's at, at that point. And I, I always think about in terms of 
I mean, I, I keep my mouth shut a lot on times I'd like to say something to somebody I think is wrong on the internet. Also but, discernment, yes. Right. Wisdom, Wisdom and discernment in that. But I, I've i really asked myself, is it going to be fruitful for me to say anything? Eh, probably not. <laughs> it's probably they're going to, I'll tell them they're wrong. They'll tell me I'm wrong and, and then we'll, we'll both walk away feeling bad <laughs> towards the other right. person. You know, um, uh, you know, I remember a discussion that I got into with um, with someone. Uh, it's this early internet days, but we were doing it by email, so that's how early. Um, and you know, she was taking one side of an issue, and I was taking it. It was very cordial, but you know, we we're both like presenting our sides. And at at a point, I said to her, "You know, look, I um, I respect you." I've read your argument. I understand what you're, the point you're coming from. I believe you understand my point where I'm coming from. I'm not going to change my mind on this. And I really don't expect you to change yours at this point, but we do understand each other. So I don't really see a point in arguing further. But um, it was just kind of interesting that getting to that point of going, you know, I think we're good. We, we understand each other and that's okay. We're just going to have to move on. And sometimes I have had people come to me later on, if we had a cordial discussion, come to me later on and say, wow, I see now what you were saying. So sure. it could be fruitful later mm-hmm. on. I, I had some um, significant disagreements with my father-in-law mm. about some things. And I adored my father-in-law. He's been gone for over 20 years now, but we had some um heated but respectful discussions and it took me years to see that I think he was actually right and so sometimes you can if you're able to have a cordial discussion you can present you know present your argument and it might not be fruitful to continue on that day but you know you could think about what that other person said or they could think about what you said and you know maybe later on they realize okay actually um colleen has a good point there i hadn't thought about so Mm -hmm. it it can it can be fruitful to have these discussions what one of the things and i've i've said this before on the podcast but i think it's important that with my kids when one of them would say something mean to the other and it might be something that was true and mm-hmm. i you know say why did you say that but it's true and i'd say okay but was it wise to say that was it going to be fruitful to say that was it gracious to say that just because something is true does not mean you have to say it um there are a lot of things i could say that are true to people that i think are wrong on the internet it's really not going to be fruitful mm-hmm. to do it I think you make a good point with uh, thinking about your father-in-law and and similarly with other discussions that I've had with people. There's a place for discussions, um, especially when there's a relationship and you can, you have, you've built some trust or built some um, basis for having a discussion. Um, You know, the problem with, with what happens a lot of times on the internet, you know, the getting it in the, you know, the, the right number of characters on to fill the, the Twitter post or, you know, so it looks right on Instagram or whatever uh, to draw eyes, to draw attention, to get likes and shares. It, it isn't really about discussion. It isn't about relationship. It isn't about helping someone um, and warning someone. I mean, there's a place for, you think like, like a, a poison label, right? Where it's a, it's shocking. Yes. It says, Hey, watch mm-hmm. it out. There are places for things like that. But um, I think as a style and as an approach, um, we need to to be careful and to give you know discernment to, to show discernment in how we approach and when we approach topics. Yeah, that's very well said. Um, one of the one of the reasons that we need to be discerning is um, to guard from being deceived. And when I was talking about sometimes that tendency people have towards being attracted to certain personalities or people they trust and stuff like that. I think I've watched people that I know, even, uh, you know, people in our circles be kind of deceived 
deceived by somebody. They develop a relationship with mm-hmm. someone that holds to federal vision, for instance, and mm-hmm. and you know, you thought they knew that it was wrong, and and then, well, you know, I talked to Jenny, and you know, she goes to a CREC, and you know, I I don't think it's really as bad as I thought before. Where the, just the necessity of of kind of guarding guarding mm-hmm. ourselves because any of us can can fall into some sort of error, some maybe less serious. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a sort of guarding ourselves, I think is necessary. There, there's a lot, a lot of verses. Um, and um, maybe just give a couple of them. John, for, I'm sorry, first John 4, 1, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. And that that's another thing where I was talking about how people kind of quickly take a side or decide that they believe one thing or another, but taking time to test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You know, some of the, some of the, even the teachers that have fallen, some of the big names one, big name ones, you know, that were very popular because maybe they were interesting or passionate mm-hmm. and they got a lot of followers and then really bad stuff came out about them and maybe some of their theology. Um, you know, we have tangible examples of, you know, why we need to be careful, you know. Yeah, I was thinking about, I was um, reading in Second uh, Corinthians this week in my, my Bible study, and, you know, Paul is um, encouraging the Corinthians to, to be firm in the faith and to, um, to listen and not be led astray. And because false teachers were leading people astray, and um, he, in verse 3 of chapter 11, he says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent serpent deceived Eve by his trickery, your minds will be led astray from sincere and pure devotion for, to Christ. Um, and so, he's telling them if, if another one comes and preaches a gospel, a different gospel, um, don't accept it, right? And that he's saying, telling them that they are accepting it. So, you know, those are an example of encouraging discernment and why we should be discerning. That's a good, that's a really good passage in this discussion. And it makes me think of, I think, a a real problem that we're seeing in our circles right now that is maybe a lack of discernment and Mm -hmm. hopefully hopefully I won't get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it anyways. There's a lot of culture wars going on right now. And a lot of opinions all over the place. I, I personally think some of the culture war stuff really isn't as black and white as maybe two sides make them. I think there's mm-hmm. maybe some nuance on some of it. And I think there are even things where we're going to have different opinions and that's okay. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of things. But I think there's, you know, some people who tend towards wanting to fight some of those culture wars and some of them are good. Um and they find a Christian personality that's very passionate about a culture war that that person is also passionate about, but their theology may not be so great, but it kind of starts, you know, where they see the culture warrior stuff like, oh, this person has, oh, like maybe it's some teacher out there that's that's got really good things to say about how we can fight against abortion. I'll I'll use that as an example. And, but then they start trusting them on other things and maybe their theology isn't so great in other ways. Um, And this kind of uh, shows the necessity of being discerning in all things and, Mm -hmm. and being more careful. Um, You know, I would go so far as to say that we've seen it with, um, with certain like culture wars or other, um, you know, politics make strange bedfellows kind of things. But where where uh, atheists, non Christians, agnostics, others are being brought in to speak on various topics as 
um, you know, co-belligerents on a topic in the culture wars. And, and that's on both sides, right? Like that it's happening. It happens on both sides and it's, it's a dangerous place for us to be when we start trying to blend all of our politics with our faith, where where the two become, you know, interchangeable in in our discussion. So that I said with someone recently that you know the logic seems to go, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe X, and this person over here believes X too, therefore they must be a Christian or you know they're on my side, and it's just it. It's dangerous. We we get into places and with people that we we should be showing more more care about um, with what we're doing. You know, I heard somebody talk about this very thing recently, and I thought they said something that was very good. Um, there there are times, maybe on a political issue or a cultural issue, um, mm-hmm. where you where you may very appropriately work with a non-Christian. So I'm trying to think of an example. I'll just make something up. Okay. I'm not arguing for this. I'm just making it. Let's just say that you believe in you, you want to go and you want a $15 minimum wage. I'm I'm just making this up. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you decide you want to go talk to to your Senator and your state Senator and Congressman. I'm not saying I'm promoting this. I'm just, that was the first issue that came and you find some, you know, atheist that lives next door and they want it to. So you go and work together and that's perfectly fine. Very appropriate. But it's when you bring in an atheist on how to fight, like who's really great at this culture war issue. That's important to you also. And you bring them into the church to talk about how we can fight this culture war in the church. That's not appropriate. Or we use them to put other Christians down. And that yeah. I've seen so much of that yeah. lately. And again, both sides. I'm not I am not picking on one side versus the other on this one. Right. No, it's both sides for sure. I can think of examples both ways. Just going back to things that we've talked about a lot uh in the last uh couple uh, in our discussions is that we we have we should have greater greater uh, ties and loyalties as Christians to other Christians, regardless of culture, background, uh, nat- uh, nation of origin, uh, language spoken. We're united because we are Christians. And that should have a, a more prominent place in our lives than, uh, than you know, I'll go with a silly example here, but cheering for the same football team. Right, that we have things that make us much more close to each other uh, than preferences. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I think the other thing that's getting blurred <laughs> along mm-hmm. this discussion, where I don't think we're being discerning, is making the culture wars the work of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, I'm not going to go in deep on that because. <laughs> its own podcast but that's why i think that sometimes they're bringing in a non-christian to the church to tell the church how to fight in this culture war because they've made the work of the church the culture war Mm -hmm. and you know we've talked about before what what is the work of the church and i think we've got to be real careful i Colossians 2.8, I think fits very well in this discussion. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. I thought of another one, too, while we were talking uh, from Ephesians 4, um, verse 14. uh, Paul says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Right? But instead, we're That's speaking the truth in love. Grow up in all aspects in him who is the head. Um, because it's, you know, it's exactly what you were talking about, that 
you know, you get, you see this, this thing here by this person and it leads you this way, or you see this over here and you read this and it drives you that way. You listen to this podcast and it drives you towards this other topic. And it's not rooted in uh, anything deeper than the latest argument. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about how to be discerning and I, from what you just said, made me think of this. Mm. Um, so I saw some statistics recently about um, the number of people that don't have a good real life friend. Mm. And we need to be really careful about not making the most of our life online, mm. which is easy to do, especially if you're a young mom. You, you know, I, I understand that. I understand maybe that that is, I know there's girls in our group that go to a small church. They just don't have friends. And I'm not saying you can't have real friends online. Rachel and I were real friends before we ever met in real life. Now we live close. <laughs> but, um, but if you're able, try to cultivate some, some real life friendships. Because I think part of being discerning what it's knowing God's word, absolutely. But it's mm-hmm. also having friends that can gently speak truth to you. Um, that if they see you're kind of heading down a direction that isn't good, that they can come to you and say, Hey, I'm I'm really concerned um, about you know, whatever. Have friends that can speak truth to you Mm -hmm. and, you know, can help you to be discerning. There's so much about that, that I'm so glad that I have friends that when I'm not sure about something, I'm feeling uneasy about something, I can go to them. I know that they're wise Mm -hmm. and can speak some truth to me. And keep me accountable in in a gentle way. You know, sometimes that accountability thing has been used not mm-hmm. in a great way in church settings. But you know, it, I just I think that's so 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 important. I know so many people are lonely and they just don't have a lot of friends. I I know that's hard. Um, so please know, read Christina Fox's book Closer Than a Sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just say say that one thing, but. Yes. So I think having those relationships, being involved in your church as much as you're able and cultivating relationships there, I think mm-hmm. does help us to be discerning. It does. I'm thinking about um, having someone um, who has been you know, a mentor in the faith for you, like someone who has um, been a Christian longer, maybe someone who has um, been through a lot uh, in their life and can uh, share their wisdom with you can be a very helpful thing. If you can find someone who can um, encourage you in that way and you can be an encouragement to them. You know what? I, since I was a teenager, I've always had someone like that Mm -hmm. um, in my life, somebody older and wiser than me that I can, that I can Mm -hmm. go to. And I, I know a lot of, we've had these discussions in the Facebook group. A lot of women really desire that and aren't, you know, really sure how to, to bring that about. It's, it's not usually like a formal thing, you know, you, you know, go out to coffee, ask somebody at church that you respect, Hey, can we meet for coffee and just get to know them, be friends, and they may become someone that you can go to in that way. So knowing God's word, that's kind of an obvious one on and how we can be discern, discerning. Psalm 119.66, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. And there's that kind of being able to judge well idea. And we know the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as division of soul and spirit to both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Mm-hmm. And lastly, a discerning mind seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools 
feeds on foolishness. That's a good, very convicting, <laughs> convicting verse. So we, I think all of us know in, in that general way from knowing the word of God helps us to be discerning, but I think mm-hmm. we also need to be wise. And I'm going to say something about this and then let, uh, let Rachel talk about something uh, about this, but back to the internet thing, it, what Rachel was talking about, like how many times you've gotten an argument and when you changed your mind, it's just, it's, it's not always fruitful. And that's where I think we, we need to have wisdom in how we do it, when we do it, um, when we speak up, how we speak up. I think we'll, we'll talk about this a little more later, but I think sometimes people use the discernment as a, a license to be mm-hmm. unkind, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, but Rachel and I were talking about Amy Bird's, was it first book or was it, was it not her first? first. Okay. No Little Women is. Oh, like that's third. like third. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I, I knew that. Okay. So Amy Bird's book, No Little Women, and maybe you can talk about what she talks about in there. You know, the, the whole purpose of, of that book is about being uh, calling for women uh, in the church to be discerning, calling for uh, pastors and leaders in the church to invest in the women in the church so that the they would be uh, not little women, but um, women of faith who are strong and who, who know what they believe and why, so that we won't be um, vulnerable to deception um, as anyone who is is not well uh well taught anyone who's not well um trained in in doctrine and and in the truth um is susceptible um uh, of course again not saying that women are more prone to deception um as some teach but uh that anyone uh, and it's what paul says in uh the second corinthians is, is addressing the whole church not to be deceived as eve was but one of the things that Amy gets into, and if you haven't read it, I do highly recommend recommend it because she gives um, a number of guidelines for how to be more discerning. Uh, and one thing she uses, and I know it's something that we've quoted here before, um, comes from a Al Mohler article on uh, spiritual triage. Um, and the idea being, there are different levels of doctrine. There are essential doctrines, first tier doctrines. And these are the ones that if you don't hold to them, you really are outside the Christian faith. This is where you would put the Trinity, um, Christ's death and resurrection, the things that you find in like the apostles and Nicene creeds, um, the basics of the faith. Like this, this is what it means to be a Christian. There are second tier um, issues or doctrines, and these are serious. There are differences in, in, understanding that can keep people from being in the same church or denomination. Uh, a great example would be uh, baptism, whether or not uh, we baptize infants, how you baptize, immersion or sprinkling. Um, it, very much a difference between, uh, like, say, a Baptist church and a Presbyterian church or a Lutheran church, um, different understandings of baptism. And it's significant enough that Someone who is a Baptist who understands um, baptism one way um, as a Baptist would not be comfortable in a Lutheran or Presbyterian church necessarily um, with the way baptism is done. Uh, another example of a second-tier doctrine is whether or not uh, you ordained women. It is not a first-tier doctrine. It is a second-tier doctrine. It's significant, and people who disagree would be unlikely to, to share a church um, or denomination well. Um but it is not a matter of salvation, and that's that's the difference between first and second. Uh, third order doctrine, third tier, these would be things that, these are differences of opinion. These may be worship style um, or, um, oh, I'm trying to Maybe even es- eschatology. You might have Eschatology, yeah. In, in your own one. church that, you know, in our church, I'm, I've right. done a survey and asked everyone, but I'm sure we have you know, people that are all millennial and maybe post millennial or 
Sure. Um, or how you view the length of creation days. There, there's so many things right. that can go in this category. People around you maybe may disagree with you about how, and you may have significant disagreement, but you can still worship together and you can still serve in the same church. And most importantly, you're still all Christians. Um, so I think that keeping that kind of tier system in mind can help as we decide uh, what battles are worth fighting and what things are are just not not worth discussing. If someone wants to talk to me about why I think amillennial is a is a good way to go, happy to talk to them about it. Um, I am not dogmatic in the sense that if you don't if you disagree with me, um, I'll never talk to you again. It's it's not like that. Um, I, same thing. I'm happy to talk about the differences between uh, psalter only um, and uh, you know hymns or uh, contemporary music with contemporary music instruments. Uh, sure, we can talk about those things, and we can even go to the same church and disagree on that. Um, but when I decide what things are worth uh, pointing out, what errors, what uh, issues are worth having a discussion over. Where you know I'm, I'm going to stand for one side and really uh, make my point and be firm with it. It needs to be a significant issue. Um, in ESS is a great example of that. Um, how women are treated in the church also a good example of something worth standing up for. And and there are others. Um, what else would you? Well, I I would like to kind of continue that discussion and say that I. I think what Rachel's talking about here is so important to understand. I will link that Al Mohler article in the episode notes because I think it's such an excellent article. And I think the problem that I am seeing at almost on a daily basis, I am not exaggerating when I say that, that I go onto Twitter or to Facebook and I get just dis- extremely discouraged because of this quite often. Mm-hmm. And people are elevating those second and third tier things, whatever's their pet thing. Okay. It's like some people have their thing. That's their, their thing that they feel strongly about. And, and I'm sorry if you guys can hear my dog walking around her little pitter patter on my hardwood floor, Mm but um, is they'll take that whatever that second or third tier thing that they've decided is so important. We've seen this where people do some new statement, you know, that they're signing Mm -hmm. where this has become, and they're making it as if it's an essential thing to the point that they will write off people that are not on the same side as them. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time, some of these same people who kind of have their, the thing, the current thing Mm -hmm. that they're making, their their Articles. essential doctrine so they're making some current debate their essential doctrine they wouldn't say it like that but it is like that they it, if you think about where sometimes you other other people like those others over there they do mm-hmm. that to people that don't line up with them on this second or third tier thing but then at the same time and i'm going to give two examples of how this has happened where they will actually um, unite with people who have essential doc, who really have essential doctrine issues. We've seen this with ESS. We've seen mm-hmm. this with Federal Vision. So mm-hmm. somebody doesn't line up perfectly with them on what complementarianism looks like. They will other them. Oh, that's mm-hmm. the other side. That's the other tribe. I don't want anything to do with them. But then they will walk hand in hand with a Federal Visionist or somebody who holds to eternal subordination. This is mm-hmm. this is a huge problem. Like we've lost sight of what's important. And a lot of times it's they're uniting with a federal visionist or somebody who holds to ESS because they're on the same culture warrior track. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to say. Right. Anyways, no. I, I know I'm venting a little bit, but I'm greatly concerned about this where there's almost a sort of tribalism where it, where we unite on where we stand. I mean, I saw this happen. It's a crazy example, but I'm going to say this. I saw this happen 
a few weeks ago when the student debt relief happened mm. and people felt really strong for Christians, really strong for it, really strong against it. And I'm not saying they were making that an essential doctrine, but they were making it a Christian thing. Mm-hmm. It's Christian to do it. It's Christian to not do it. And they're uniting with people over that. But, you know, we do that and then we forget about the things that are truly important. Hopefully people understand what I'm saying. I just, it's discouraging to watch. It's okay if we have different views on second and third tier things. We need to stop being so tribal that we insist on being on the same side on every current thing. I would go so far as to say if if our posts and the things that, especially since we're talking about social media, if the things that we're posting um, on social media, um, especially regarding, say, culture or politics or anything that is not a first-tier doctrine at this point, that you're so adamant about it and ugly about it that people would be uncomfortable sitting next to you to worship with you, not because you have pointed out an, an error of first level and they, they just don't want to hear error. But if you're really on second, third tier doctrines or, or not even tiers, but on something outside of, of faith and you're so harsh and ugly about it that people won't, aren't uncomfortable sitting next to you in church, I think we need to talk about and think about what we're doing. Amen. Amen to that. And this is a good segue into the fact that we're still called to be gracious and charitable. Being discerning is not a license to be a jerk. And there's Amen. these things that happen. Some of you may have seen the big old argument about whether we should be winsome or we absolutely shouldn't be winsome and this sort of thing. And part of being discerning and being wise is knowing how and when and what thing is important to Mm -hmm. talk about. But I don't think, I think we can strong, if there's a strong error, I think we should strongly state it, but we don't have to be a jerk about it. We're Mm -hmm. still called to the fruits of the spirit to be to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. We're still called to those things, even when the other person is wrong. And I think we need to be more careful. But so I wanted to give an example of something I saw in everything that I've been talking about. I'm going to let Rachel talk about the Ninth Commandment, the Westminster Larger Catechism, which I encourage everyone to go read. I know I've told people to do that before, but I actually reflect on it a lot. But we need to be careful not to assume the worst of people. Um, So I saw a situation. I told Rachel about it earlier. This was months ago. But there's kind of two different groups of people. They're 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 all Christians. There's one group that you know is known for certain things. Another group that's known for certain things. And so somebody from one of the groups put a tweet out and the other group put the absolute worst spin on what this person said. They assumed the worst, which I actually think is contrary to the ninth commandment. They assumed the worst. They put the worst spin on it. They were ugly to this person. Um, Now I think it was wrong the way that they did. Somebody in the group that was ugly said something that was absolutely wrong. According to an essential doctrine. They said that what they said was a clear error on the Trinity. And some people were mean to him, you know, about it. And some people came and were careful, said, hey, brother, I'm not sure you meant to say this because that would mean that you're promoting this Trinitarian heresy. Um, maybe you need to think about that, repost it. You, you may have accidentally done that, which I actually think was the right way to do it, to not assume sure the worst should assume the best. Um, But some of the same people that were so ugly to the first person called for grace and charity to the second person, because the second person was in their little tribe. That's the sort of thing that we need to avoid, be more careful. So being discerning, but also 
being wise in how we do it. Stop assuming the worst just because you don't like that person. I think we do it all the time. I, I have to fight my own self from doing that. Somebody that I don't care for says something I, I think is maybe wrong. I, I really try to think about what it means to love my neighbor, to be gracious, mm-hmm. to not assume the worst about what they're saying. Same. I mean, those, those are, are areas that are very difficult. Uh, you know, we talked about you know, picking your battles. Um, and before I get into the, the ninth commandment, something that came across this week um, uh, on one of the social medias, and it was uh, learn to distinguish who deserves an explanation, who deserves one answer, and who deserves absolutely nothing. And I, I stopped, and I don't know who said it, so I don't. I'm, I would give credit if I could, but just know it's out there somewhere. I'm happy to credit it if you know who said it first. Uh, but the concept of it about deciding and knowing when it's right to speak, when it's right to be quiet. Um, and when to defend yourself and when not to. And I think, you know, looking uh, at scripture in our, our women's Bible study, we're in studying in Philippians, and you see Paul kind of talking about that. There, there are times that, like in Second Corinthians, that he, he does defend himself. There are other times in the Philippians that he doesn't, um, and it depends on the issue, right? When there's serious error and people's faith is in danger, he's very careful and he is strong. Uh, when it was his reputation that was at stake, he he doesn't stand up for it in the same way. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from that. Um, but back to what what you were saying, Colleen, about uh, charitable and the the judgment of charity, I think is a good way to put it. Yes, very um, good. If you've never read through it, I know we've talked about it before, but from the larger catechism, Westminster Larger Catechism's questions 144 and 145 deal with um, what are the duties required in the ninth commandment and what are the sins forbidden in the ninth commandment? And it's, it's long. There's, there's a lot there. Um, if you ever thought that you could keep all the commandments, all, reading through this one alone would remind us all that it's impossible to keep even this one commandment all the time. Um, but so the duties among the duties required in the ninth commandment, uh, preserving and promoting of truth uh, the good name of our neighbor as well as our own, standing for the truth, um, sincerely, freely, clearly, fully speaking the truth and only the truth, um, and a charitable esteem of our neighbors, loving, desiring, and rejoicing in their good name, sorrowing for and covering of their infirmities, uh, defending the, their innocency, a ready receiving of a good report, and an unwillingness to admit of an evil report concerning them. Discouraging talebearers, flatterers, and slanderers. Um, the love and care of our own good name, defending it when need requires. Uh, all of those things. Studying and practicing and whatever things are true, honest, lovely, and of good report, which of course comes from Philippians. Um, and the sins of, that are forbidden. Prejudicing the truth and the good name of our neighbors as well as our own giving false evidence, pleading for an evil cause, uh, calling evil good and good evil, uh, concealing the truth, undue silence in a just cause, holding our peace when we should either give a reproof or a complaint, uh, speaking the truth unseasonably. This goes back to things we said, you mentioned at the beginning about our, you know, talking to our boys about, uh, but it's true. Well, right. <laughs> Uh, speaking the truth unseasonably or maliciously to a wrong end, uh, or perverting it to a wrong meaning. Uh, speaking untruth, lying, slandering, backbiting, detracting, tailbearing, whispering, scoffing, reviling, rash, harsh, and partial censuring, misconstructing intentions, words, and actions. Right there. Uh, speaking too highly or too meanly of ourselves or others. I like that one. Uh, stopping our ears against a just defense, uh, receiving and countenancing evil reports, suspicion, um, rejoicing in their disgrace and infamy, scornful contempt, 
uh, it's there are just so many things here. And you know, to to the example that you were giving, this is one of those places where when someone says something and you're like, I don't think they should have said it that way. And that goes for both of those, right? No, they should have said it that way. It is gift again, depending on the level of error. If it's minor, let it go. Just let it go. If yes. it's major, it's <laughs> okay it to say something, sing it. but say it graciously. Right? Yes. Hey, brother, sister, because you're my brother or sister, um, did you mean to say it this way? Um, and you know, so as best as possible, trying to put the best spin on things, but also being willing to recognize when someone who we would say is in our camp is saying something wrong, being willing to say, yeah, it's wrong. They shouldn't say that. The standards that we have are absolute standards. They are not um, They are not dependent on whether or not we like the person. And what we're called to isn't dependent on whether or not we like a person. It's, truth is truth, regardless. Yeah. And Somebody that might be wrong on some things doesn't mean they're wrong on everything. You know, someone might yeah. be right on many things, but they might um, be be wrong on some things. Because guess what? You know how people will say they'll put out a quote by somebody on Twitter and they'll be like, just so you know, I don't agree with them on everything, which is silly because there's like no one on this earth that I agree with on everything. <laughs> Even my husband is wrong about mushrooms. I mean, I'll just say it right here. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, we don't agree with any, there's no person in on the face of the earth that agrees with me on, on everything. And I did, did want to say, I think this is maybe a way, a way to be discerning that there are ways to have fruitful discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's this, this group of scientists that um, have these really, really fruitful discussions. They've, they've, I've learned so much from them. And um, I wish I could see more of it in Christian circles because these are just scientists. A couple of them are Christians, but most of them aren't. And so, like, there was a discussion about the wind turbines, okay, which I know very, very little about. I know a lot more about it now, too. About and what? in fact, there's a, a video that goes around Twitter every once in a while, and it's a heartbreaking video. I love animals so much. Um, where a, a large bird got killed in, in the wind turbine. So mm. what tends to happen is, see, this is why they're bad, blah, 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 blah. So anyways, it, this was a discussion um, about them. And the this group of, and, and by the way, um, wind turbines is very low on the list of things that kills birds, actually, uh, as I learned. And there may be some things to prevent so much of that and blah, blah, blah. But what they do is actually really listen to the other person, which I think that's one of the one way to make your conversation more fruitful is even if you fully disagree and you know that nothing is going to change your mind, taking time to really understand the other person's position will actually help you to be able to talk to them in a fruitful way mm-hmm. if they're wrong. You know, if you really understand, then you can be like, okay, I see, I see where you're misunderstanding. So let me you know, explain it, but we don't, we don't do that. And Rachel, um, I used to be like, I never block anybody, but I, like a couple of weeks ago, I wrote something really minor. I don't really do a lot of, um, controversial stuff on social media and some guy don't never seen him before in my life on my Twitter comes and says the most rude thing. You know what I did? I blocked him because he didn't deserve any answer from me. And sometimes for your own mental health and because it's obviously not going to be fruitful, somebody comes and just is a jerk to you. Sometimes that's discerning to discern who you're going to respond to and who you are not. That's what Proverbs says, right? Um, answer yes. a fool according to his folly. Let's be wise in his own estimations. Do not answer a fool according to his folly. Let's be like him. We ha- And the yes. wisdom is knowing the difference. Like when, yep. when do you do one and when do you do the other? Yeah, I think of that passage all the time. And, you know, 
two things that I want, two verses that I wanted to end with, um, just as encouragement as far as like how how we treat others and what our attitude should be. Um, one is Philippians 4, 5, let your gentle spirit be known to all. Uh, the Lord is near. And then Ephesians 4, um, all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God in Christ has forgiven you. Uh, and I just wanted us to, uh, to end on that, focus on being kind and gentle. And you know what that verse doesn't say? It doesn't say be kind if the person is right or if the person agrees with you. It's be kind to one another. Mm-hmm. So, well, I I hope this was encouraging. A lot of this I'm reminding myself of right. and and very honestly been very, very discouraged by just, I think the thing that's that's been discouraging for me is seeing two people that I like treat each other poorly. It's really hard, mm-hmm. um, hard to see that. And remembering, I think I'll end with this last thing is that as Christians, our unity in, is in Christ. It's not in politics. It's not in the culture wars. It's not in whatever the current thing is. It's in Christ, and be mindful of that. So we'll see you next time. <laughs>